I think this is a great story for coaches. Ask your players one day um, if they're going to be the first person to graduate college in their family. And, and then I would tell them that story and just talk about how you, your players set the bar. Has anybody in your family ever um, got a master's degree? Has anyone in your family ever written a book? So my son talks about writing a book now. So I think it's pretty cool uh, analogy or story of setting the bar, doing something in your family that's never been done before and, and, and people will continue to do it. Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking the job at Knicks. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Caps. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. Well, today's guest is Mr. Randy Jackson, a guy that probably a lot of you that follow along with me, you know, know who Randy Jackson is. And there may be some people in the world that don't, right? Um, but Randy Jackson is a retired high school football coach. I say retired loosely. He's a retired high school football coach um, from Texas, an outstanding football coach, but he has since turned entrepreneur, you know, like he has just written his third book, um, which is what we're going to dive into here in just a minute. He runs a mastermind group of elite football coaches all over the country. And it's not just football coaches, it's any coaches, football, basketball, baseball, which I've been a part of and has been a tremendous asset um, in my life. He has, you know, a website, CoachRandyJackson.com, where you can buy, you know, all types of leadership material that I've used. Um, the captain's class. I don't know how many of them I've sold for you, but I've sold quite a few. I can assure you I've not gotten any royalties yet, but I'm waiting on that. But Randy Jackson is one of the most phenomenal high school coaches and also phenomenal men you know he's a he's an outstanding guy he's a guy that um i read his first book culture defeat strategy uh i don't you know seven or eight years ago maybe and i was one that when i read the book thought man there's no way this dude's doing all that stuff so you know in typical john perry fashion i get his phone number i call him i say man can i come visit for a day or two and i load up and i go to was that North Forney at that time? Yes. Go no, to well, North Forney yeah, High School. Yeah, North Forney, that's right. And it was unbelievable. All of the things that they were doing or, you know, talking about in the book, they were living it out on a daily basis. And I was amazed, you know, like I learned so much from that. And then I ended up hiring Randy to come to Pearl and, you know, teach our coaches a lot of the culture stuff and, you know, I credit him with a lot of my growth. You know, I think in the football world, I think 25 years ago, you got an advantage in the weight room, right? Um, 10 years ago, you know, Randy was on the very 
front edge of culture development in high school football. And, you know, he was the one that got me started on the daily lessons, the core values, the, you know, which has absolutely changed um, the way our teams play, the way our teams act, the way they carry themselves, you know, so I owe a great deal to Randy. And, you know, when we get started, Randy, the first thing, one of the, one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard you tell um, is the story of your dad and going to college. So, you know, if you have any opening words you would like to say, carry on. After that, man, if you would please share your dad's story um, with the audience. Oh, well, thank you, John. Thanks for letting me be here. I'm so honored to be here. I love your podcast. Uh, you can just feel your passion for helping others. I thank you and our kindred spirits because we both want to help people. Um, I've enjoyed the last five years or so of my head coaching career. I started coaching coaches and just honestly, uh, every year I, I enjoyed coaching coaches more and it was a little less stressful. Uh, no, 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 no coach's parent has fussed at me yet. And, uh, so, I COVID sort of got me and, and I, I, I retired, but my fiance says it's ridiculous when I say retired, um, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now. I, I do fast and wide offense. Yesterday, I Zoomed with a guy from the Czech Republic about wow. fast and wide. I met with the coach yesterday in person about uh, career stuff. Uh, I'm just having a good time doing what I'm doing. And uh, the, I'm excited about uh, this book, A Royal Season. And anyway, thanks for letting me be on. I can't wait to dive into it. And let me say this, you know, and I left out the fast and wide deal, which is probably one of the biggest things you do. You know, it's a brand of offense that, you know, Randy runs and and sells and has a following. Um, there's a there's a young man in uh, Missouri who, you know, I kind of threw your way and he has since joining fast and wide has. Gosh, man, he has emailed me, texted me, called me about how thankful he is for the group, how thankful he is for the football. Like, um, I think the fast and wide stuff is is amazing as well. And it is helping coaches all over the United States of America. So I don't know how I left that one out. That's probably no. one of the biggest things you do right now. Um, but before we jump into the book, you know, your dad's college story is outstanding. Um, so I grew up in East Texas. Uh, 13 miles from the Louisiana border. And I, I jokingly say we, you know, we got internet there about five years ago. Uh, so it is rural uh, poultry and timber is big there. And so that's where my dad grew up. And my dad was a coach for 41 years, um, won a state championship in football, but he was also a head basketball coach. And so um, real small school, I graduated with 33 people, Tenahaw High School, it's, uh, south of Longview, north of Nacogdoches. And so my dad told me this story one time and that I tell a lot about setting the bar for your family and wherever you set the bar, the bar will tend to stay and actually it will always rise. And so my dad was a good high school basketball player. He told me one time that they beat someone 72 to 50 or something and he scored 68 of the 72 points. Now, no one's ever confirmed that with me. But he was pretty good. And he he went to the University of Arkansas to a recruiting visit. And he realized he, he was the poorest person on campus. His mom and dad were sharecroppers. 
he came home as quick as he could. And then the head coach at Tyler Junior College said, Raymond, if you'll come to Tyler, I will give you seven shirts and seven pair of pants. And at the time, he said he had one shirt and one pair of pants. So it was done deal. It was an NIL deal he couldn't refuse, you know. <laughs> so he goes to Tyler and he gets homesick. And Tyler's about an hour and a half, but he's never been away from home. And so he's going to quit. And he hitchhikes home. And he says back then you could hitchhike, people would pick you up. He hitchhikes home. They live uh, on farmland. They're sharecroppers, like I said. And so he's the house is probably 200 yards off the dirt road. And he's walking up to the house. And he looks in the front door. And he doesn't see anyone. But he hears his mama on the back porch. So he walks around the house. She doesn't see him. And she's talking to one of their neighbors on the back porch. And she says, we know Raymond doesn't have any money. We wish we could provide a little spending money for him. We we can't. We are so proud of him. He is going to be the first person in our family to ever graduate from college. And we can't be any prouder. He said he turned around. His mama never knew he was there. He walked the 200 yards back up to the dirt road, took a left, walked another mile to the highway and put his thumb back out and went to Tyler, back to Tyler. Wow. And eventually went to, it was a junior college, eventually went to University of Corpus Christi, met my mom and my brother was valedictorian in our little high school. Um, I mean, my son, my daughter, so my dad set the bar. My brother and I went to college, never thought anything else about it. My kids never thought they wouldn't go to college. My grandkids will go to college. And so that's a story I love to tell about. Um, and I should tell this to my, I think this is a great story for coaches. Ask your players one day um, if they're going to be the first person to graduate college in their family. And, and then I would tell them that story and just talk about how you, your players set the bar. Has anybody in your family ever um, got a master's degree? Has anyone in your family ever written a book? So my son talks about writing a book now. So I think it's pretty cool uh, analogy or story of setting the bar, doing something in your family that's never been done before, and 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 people will continue to do it. Man, that is an awesome story. Um, you know, like you think about the power of one person and the influence they have. And and you never know, like you never know when that, you know, when that one opportunity arises, you know, and had he not overheard that conversation, like you said, I mean, you and your brother and, you know, you may not even go to college. You may not be sitting where you're at. Like you may not be doing, you know, all the things you're doing. And that's, you know, that is um, one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard because I do believe in, you know, the power of moments. And that was a moment that changed your life. And as Ed Milet says, I mean, there is, you know, like you have the ability to be the one that changes it for your family. You know, like somebody has to, you know, like there has to be a first, you know, you have to, somebody has to be the first one to go to college. Somebody has to be the first one to get a master's degree, the first one to open their own business, the first one to write a book. Like you have the power within you to do absolutely 
anything in this world you want to do. So that's a fantastic story. Second question before we get into the book. Several years ago, seven, eight, nine, I don't know exactly. Um, you're at a teacher uh, meeting at the beginning of school with the whole school district or whatever, and they bring in a speaker. His name is Brian Kane. And as you know, most times at those um, all school teacher meetings, man, it's honestly like sometimes not the best stuff in the world, right? Like we're just there, man. And we're like, let's go, let's get this thing started. And most of us probably got our mind on football because it's fall camp time. Well, Brian Kane, you know, gives a deal and, you know, take it from there. Like what happened after that? Well, he just talked about things I'd never contemplated before. And, um, you know, I spent my free time watching reruns of King of Queens. <laughs> and he, I, I don't know if he said this or I'm dreaming it, but he, I think he said something like, hey, Nick Saban doesn't have any idea what's going on on, you know, uh, Yellowstone, you know, whatever right. the show was back right. then. And if you want to be great, you got to spend some time being great. And from that lesson, I walked up to him after it was over with and said, I want more of this. And he literally took my phone and showed me where podcasts were. Mm. And, and I didn't know what that purple square was. Wow. And so I got in, I was, it was eight, I'm 55 now. I was, I, I remember I was 47 and I'd really not, if someone asked me, what's the last book you read, like in a job interview, I would have lied and wow. may come up with, you know, war and peace or something. Sure. And, <laughs> and so, uh, that time, and then I caught like you would do in John Perry fashion, I called a buddy who coached football at SMU and because he mentioned SMU and, and he said, yeah, he works with our team and he's great. You need to hire him. And, and I did, I put my, I mean, you don't get anything good in this world that you, honestly, that you don't sacrifice for. And, and so I traded some money for some coaching and uh, it was the best thing I ever did. Well, let me ask you this. You, you traded some money and I find this amazing too. Like, how did you pay for that? Um, uh, quite on like my booster club helped me some. Yeah, for sure. So, and, and, but, and I don't feel bad about that. Cause he, he taught us how to do core values. I mean, the whole first book, here's why I'm proud. My first book is a paint by numbers. If you want to create intentional culture, like just it's step-by-step step written on about a fourth grade level. Sure. My booster club paid for him to come help us. And it was so good. I wanted some individual and then six months later, I paid for him to just help me. Sure. And you know what? And this is this is the reason why I wanted to share that in the in in the coaching world. You know, like sometimes we're so scared, and I don't know if scared's the right word, scared or cheap, that we do not hire coaches. You know, like we just don't. Well, you hired that coach, you know, eight years ago, and it changed your life from that hiring, you know, and paying whatever you paid you know, which I would imagine you've got your money back a hundredfold since then, you know, you wrote the book, every, everything that you've done, you know, like he changed your thought process moving forward, you know, like I would assume all of the entrepreneurship things, you know, all of that probably arised out of that. And I think in the business world, people hire coaches all the time. Like I have a coach that coaches our running backs. That's actually a 
you know, like a paraprofessional because he is a business guy in the community and he coaches, you know, because he uh, loves being involved with kids and making a difference in their life. But he's always hiring a coach, always, you know, like in the business world, they just hire coaches, you know, and we sometimes, um, you know, get really cheap when it comes to doing things that could make us better. And, you know, the Brian Kane deal, you know, he has the mental performance training certification. Well, you in typical Randy Jackson fashion, you know, sign up. I think it's like a thousand dollars and you become a certified instructor. Well, before you do that, you call, thank God me and say, you know, like, would you do this with me? You know, so I do it as well. And I think I scored higher on the actual final exam than you. I'm just saying, I'm not. Yeah. I, honestly, I think uh, they gave me a curve so I could pass. Uh, <laughs> and he, But here's what's great about this or what we're talking about. I've never been hired. I've never even put out a shingle to be a, a mental certified coach, but I wanted to be certified. No doubt. And that's not even my goal, but I just want to, I want to be certified. I want to sure. be, I want to be good. I want to be great. And I think if people, coaches need to realize that here's what Brian Kane taught me. Get off my butt and quit watching huddle all day. Go exercise, read, have a podcast. I mean, listen to a podcast. And I became a much better coach and I watched less film. Sure. And so I think no we always need to analyze what we're doing and there's a great if, if whatever your goal if your goal is is to be an average coach live on the mountain of average don't spend any money but sure. if you think you're going to be elite you're going to have to hire a coach uh, you're not this is dr gilbert no one changes themselves by themselves right so if you want to change hire a coach right and i'll tell you another another issue that goes along with that is this thing called ego you know like I don't know that we're born with an ego, you know, like when we're born and we're a baby, we have no ego. We don't even know what ego is, but as we grow, our ego grows. And sometimes our ego prevents us from asking for help. It sure prevents us from hiring somebody that might be a little better than us, you know? And it also leads us sometimes to want to punch a fella because there was a guy that wrote a book. I think his name was Randy Jackson. And in his first book started talking about fat coaches. Now I ain't gonna lie to you. I had to put my ego aside when I made that trip to see if you were actually doing all that stuff because I wanted to get better. Now I was and am a fat coach and I really wanted to punch you, but you know, I gave you a pass because I wanted to see if it was legit, but you know, like I probably should have been more self-aware in that what you were saying was there's some truth to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I have in the past 18 months changed my life with walking, eating a little better, doing a few things right. And like life's better. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's validity to your, to your statement, but at the same time, man, like my ego had to, I had to put that aside because I'm sitting there looking at you thinking, man, this dude don't like fat people, you know, like he don't like, <laughs> and I thought, man, but, but I get it, you know, like I, and I didn't, you know, like, I don't know. I didn't care. Like it didn't matter to me. I wanted to see what was going on. Well, and, and Brian Kane looked at me my first time I ever met him and said, Hey dude, you're not fat, but you're getting there. And look at the coaches who stand on the sideline 
And there's not many guys who, sure. I mean, college coaches look like they could still play. NFL coaches kind of doesn't matter. But college coaches are recruiting players, and they need to look a certain way. You, you know, like they need to sure. look fit. And, 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 you know, we high school coaches, we're recruiting too. You're recruiting oh, your no. own players. And I think it matters. Leaders look like leaders as much yep. as possible. Sure. And our, 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 you know, for some of us, sometimes it's easy, you know, that reticular activating system, you know, we see what we want to see. So if we are, you know, overweight, we will find an overweight coach and attach ourselves to him. You know what I'm saying? But you are actually, you know, you're 100% right on. You turn on the tube and the majority of them are not. All right, let's jump into this book. You know, like my, my first question, you decide to go to Germany to coach football. Okay, like what in the heck is that about? <laughs> well, I retired and I thought I could write books and consult and coach coaches. And I just got a little bored and I missed being on a team. And I heard Nick Saban say this at the Texas convention one time. He said, I don't know when I'm going to retire. But when I retire from Alabama, I'm going to be on another team. It might be Athlac, but I've got to be on right. a team. Sure. And that's how I'm wired. I want to be on a team. And so uh, I'd never been to Europe. Uh, used to teach world geography and used to dream about traveling and, and didn't have the money to do it. And so um, one of the guys in Fast and Wide on our WhatsApp said, hey, I know this is long, but stretch here but does anybody want to coach in Germany and so I pursued it it was a lower level team they wanted me to be the head coach and live there full time and he said you know anyway I ended up say, telling my buddy Seth Walmack that I that it wasn't the right deal so then he told me to get on europlayers.com I posted my resume and took the first job that was offered wow you know like like to me, and I remember, you know, when we went through the core value uh, mastermind, you know, one of your core values or, you know, one that was in the conversation was adventure, you know, so I do get that. I understand like that's so far out of my realm of anything I would do because I'm I try to, you know, be safe and try to, you know, like that seems kind of scary, you know, like. Tell me this, that, the, you know, you go over there and you go through football season and I'm, you know, we're following along everybody that knows you, you know, like why, you know, do you, what made you feel like that the Germany deal was worth writing a book? Um, Man, here's my tagline for, for my experience over there. So it's 50, this book is 50% football, 50% team building and culture and a hundred percent chaos and drama. You know, it is a bunch of grown men who um, either are imports and the, the highest paid player we had was $1,100 a month. Wow. And so I made a thousand dollars a month and, you know, my, I had a free apartment and all that stuff, but um, it is basically a bunch of 20 and 30 year old guys who love football and but in Europe it is not players play and coaches coach 
like it is here. At least it wasn't there. And so um, with my confront and demand personality, there were there were some issues. And sure. I've read, you know, good books have a, a conflict in them. There's some conflict in this book. Right. Well, you know, like, what was it like, you know, like living in Germany? Like, how did that, you know, like, how did that suit you? Had you ever been to Germany before you got there? You know, like, what was what was the actual, like, day-to-day life like over there? So, dude, I'd never been to Europe. Like, mm-hmm. I'd never been past Mexico. So, uh, it was, it really was a ready, fire, aim moment in my life. And Ben Franklin says, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing about. And so I thought I can do both. And I didn't know um, how it was going to be, but they let me, they let me help plan practice. I mean, they, they, they did allow me to do some things, but as far as living in Germany, uh, very fascinating. Potsdam is, is near Berlin and it was behind the wall. And so anybody 40 years or older pretty much doesn't speak too much English. Anybody 40 or younger speaks pretty good English because once the wall fell, they quit teaching Russian in schools and they started teaching English. So it was pretty neat as far as just kind of seeing, I mean, Potsdam was founded in 993. Um, On our open date one time, I went to Cologne in West Germany and I think it was founded 2000 years ago or something. So um, I love history and I love going into a restaurant that's been there since 1789 or something. And but for the most part, Germany is great. The people are way more polite than Americans for the most part. Uh, if you're on a public train, no one's loud. No one's talking loud on their phone. Uh, kids aren't acting crazy. They're very aware of other people. The only time Germans got mad at me is I got a car about two months into the deal and there's bicycles everywhere. I mean, they're very, very environmental friendly. They don't even want you to really have a car over there. And so uh, I would almost kill one person on a bike every time I drove. And uh, that's the only time they would act like I was Donald Trump or something. They all hate Trump over there. Right. But otherwise, otherwise, you know, it's a sure. it's a neat place. And I have a lot of respect for German people. What were I know there were probably thousands, you know, like what were three, you know, aha moments, you know, three things that you just totally didn't expect, you know, that that might have happened. Oh, man. Um Dirty caps are lightweight, one-size-fits-all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive, sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Dirty caps can help protect that helmet investment. I'm telling you, the book is fascinating because there's a million of these, but they didn't tell me everything before I went. Imagine that, you know. Right. And so I get over the head coach. It is not a full time employee of the team, so he works for German Social Services and he helps Ukrainian refugees. And mm. so 
but he founded the team in 2005. So if you want any of any listener could go to Europe and found a team and, and just create a team. And if you've watched Ted Lasso, you're going to start the lowest level. So let's say they started in the fifth league. And if you win the fifth league, you go to the fourth league. And if you win the fourth league, you go to the third league. So, and if you, if you're the worst place team, then you get bumped down. So uh, very few full-time coaches. Um, so I think my biggest aha moment was the level of coaching. Um, not that it was terrible, but they learn a lot of their coaching on the, on YouTube. Uh, we had a coach that took a train three hours, one way to practice. Wow. So there's very few coaches. Um, I try to football over there is the equivalent of maybe rugby here. Like 99.5% of the people in Germany don't give a crap about American football. And right. so the NFL kind of puts it out there that it's, Oh, but no, it's not. So aha moments for me were just a lack. I mean, I was in a town of 200,000 at one time we were 12 and 0 and scored more points than anybody in the history of Germany or Europe really. And I never saw a Potsdam Royals t-shirt in town. That was weird. Wasn't it? That was weird. Yeah. Um, you know, they love soccer more than Texas loves football. Right. They love soccer more than Texans love barbecue, guns, and cowboy boots combined. <laughs> um, you know, so it is another aha moment for me would be that the the players, it's not their life. So, you know, we got guys who are married. We got guys with full-time jobs. We practice from 7 to 9 p.m. because people got things to do during the day. So uh, now, you know, in, in, here's something that in, in, in the United States, it, football can will come to you, uh, little leagues and all this. In Europe, if you like American football, you got to go to you got to go to it. So our center is 36 years old and I asked him how he started playing football. He said when he was 19, he read a Sports Illustrated article. The nearest place that played football was an hour away. He saved eight months for a car. And once he got a car, he joined that team and started driving to practice. Wow. So there are some big differences. No, none High schools nor colleges have sports teams. So everything is club over there. So uh, a lot of, lot of differences I think we never think about over here. Uh, so there's that's some fascinating stuff in the book, just some differences like that. Yeah, and I've read, you know, because you would send it to me, I have read through, you know, portions of the book. It's fantastic, you know, and it's it's kind of, uh, in my opinion, it's kind of like Damon West wrote a book called The Change Agent, right, which was the entire story. His It's really his entire life story, you know, and I never knew what it was like to be in prison. You know, like, yeah, I watch TV, and but I, ne I never really knew. Well, he takes me through that and it is absolutely amazing. Well, I found this book to be the same way. Like I have never been outside of the country. Okay. So, you know, like there were so many things that were just so interesting, you know, about being over there, you know, and, and you having the courage to go over there in the first place, but, you know, following that journey live and then being able to read about it is outstanding. So I hope everybody will buy the book. Um, let me ask you this, like the, the, the men, you know, on the team, um, 
how did you find them behavior skill wise? You know, in other words, you know, courage, competence, um, entitlement. Um, how was their approach to football as compared to the 17 year old kids that you coached, you know, in, in Texas? Okay. So great question. Um, I, I compare me going over there to like getting to a, into a laboratory and I'm going to do football experiments. And so one of the exper- experiments that I, that I think I, I did was how are they like, how's a, how's a, how's a 30 year old from Paris? How is he like a 17 year old from Nixa and how's he different from a 17 year old in Nixa? Um, the 30 year old from Paris and the 35 year old guy from Poland and the 22 year, they all still want stickers on their helmets. Wow. You know, we would earn stickers. I, this is a deal that's in the book, but in when D, the D day invasion, the officers for the Americans had white stripes on the back of their helmets. And so we put white stripes on the back of the offensive linemen's helmets, and we told the running backs, follow. Because what happened to D-Day, they said, when you hit the shore, all hell's going to break loose, and you're going to get discombobulated. You need to find a white stripe because they know where they're going and follow them. And so bottom line is I made them earn the white stripe on their helmet, and they were just as happy as a 17-year-old Nixa when they got their white stripe. Wow. Um the biggest difference is, and they want to win, and they we had guys from 18 different countries who showed up the day before training camp, and they we still made it into a team. Um, they still want to be a part of a team, but the here's the biggest difference: off season matters. So if you put a team together the day before training camp, the team the day after the season, the team is going to go poof. Right. Um, off-season matters. I'm not saying they weren't as tough because I had some guys that were tough, but some of them were not used to contact. Some of them were not used to um, digging deep and having to get through mat drills or running 200s on the track or 400s, whatever. You know, like um, I felt their level of grit in a way, I don't want to say negative, but – the off season for players over there is if they want to lift weights, they lift weights. You know, they, they, I tell a story in the book about how we do agility stations at the end of the first practice. Cause I convinced the head coach to do it. We had 10 guys throwing up and it looked like a bomb had went off. And well, in America, kids don't show up to fall camp out of shape. Well, in Germany they do cause they have a month before the first game. And so I think, I think that's the biggest difference for me is, um, their soccer, you know, it's a soccer mentality where there's not as much contact. And so, um, you can have two Americans on the field over there. And just the fact our Americans started playing when they were younger and more used to the contact and physicality made them a huge advantage for them. Sure. Let me ask you this, you know, you, you've, you've, obviously know who Bobby Hall is, right? My mentor. And you, you've interviewed him on the mastermind. Um, one of the greatest high school football coaches in America. Well, you know, upon retirement from high school ball or the junior college that we were at, he decided to take a job at a, a college as a wide receiver coach, you know, had an end there with the coach and, 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 you know, well, I'm not speaking for him. Well, I kind of am, 
but he spent, I think, two years there. And, you know, like, it was tough, you know, because I don't care what level of ball you coach. If you're the greatest high school coach in America, you're probably going to be able to go to the next level and be the greatest coach there too, you know, like, ball don't really change whether you're in, you know, if you're running fast and wide in Texas or you're running fast and wide in Germany, it's still fast and wide. You're still coaching. You're still leading. You're still, you know, well, the team would have probably been better off if Bobby Hall was the head football coach, just to be honest, because he was the best coach on the staff. How did you handle, you know, because you'd been a head coach for so long, then you go in there and, you're an assistant coach. And not only are you an assistant coach, the head coach is like a social worker or something, you know, like how did that fly? You know, like how was that, you know, how did that mesh? Did that, was it a, did you have an issue with it? Like, you know, how did that go? Um, Really good question. He's a great guy, um, but he's very quiet and he calls himself a player's coach. And I'll be honest, you know, he ain't holding anybody accountable and, so me, I'm the opposite. Right. Um, as the season went on, I got more and more frustrated. And you can you you'll sense it when you sure. read the book. Uh, but as the season got on, if you if you're the only coach, and this is one of the lab exper- experiments I put in the back of the book in the epilogue, um, if you're the only com- confront and demand coach, then people are going to get tired of you being that guy. And so I think every player on that staff is glad I was there last year. I think every player on, I mean, every player on the team, I think every player knows, you know, we scored, we set records of scoring and all that stuff. But I think when the seasons are with, they might've been glad they didn't have to get coached hard anymore because they don't coach hard over there. It's very few players. So players are more important than coaches. And so um, it it became pretty frustrating for me um, because I felt like, I was holding, I was the only one holding them accountable and things like that. And so um, it was tough. Um, I'm glad that he let me, I mean, we implemented my practice routine and and they let me do a lot of things, uh, but uh, they also, I didn't feel like anybody really had my back either. Right. Right. Let me ask you, I know we're going to, we're going to release this in conjunction with the release of the new book, A Royal Season. We want everybody to go order the book. You know, like we want to try to make it one of the best sellers in the history of the world on that day. You know, it's something that everybody should have a copy of. You know, how can they pre-order it? How can they, um, you know, email, sign up? How can they pre-order the book? Um, And I know you're planning on, you know, doing some things, um, offering some things you did lessons over there, you know, like maybe offering those for people that pre-order, um, how can they pre-order the book? Um, my website is coachrandyjackson.com, and there will be huge banners, you know, right when you get on there of how to pre-order it. Um, anyone that pre-orders it will get all the PowerPoints I used over there with our meet. I mean, a Royal season is going to be literally, you're going to be on the team. I mean, it is four times longer than my other books. Uh, I worried about the book being too thick, but I take people from what, what, when I, we zoomed from January to April 
when when I left. The season was from May to October, but pre-order people will get those PowerPoints from those Zooms. Um, you're going to get um, a Zoom link for if you uh, we're going to have a big uh, celebration, basically, with guys like you and other rock stars. And and so you'll get a Zoom link, a free Zoom link to sit in on that. I'll have deals where if you order 12 or more, I'll do an individual Zoom for you and your staff. I'll have all kind of just perks like that. Um, but it'll be CoachRandyJackson.com. My email is culture at CoachRandyJackson.com. And uh, Twitter, um, Coach Jackson TPW. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think that it is the first book ever written by a coach, an American coach who went over to Europe and coached football. Um, I talk about John Grisham's Playing for Pizza. Have you ever read that, John? I have not. Oh, it's great. So John Grisham, you know, he's written uh, – right you know, 50 straight number ones about the courtroom. Um, about 10 years ago, he wrote a fictional story about a quarterback who goes to Italy and plays for a lower level team. And and I've mentioned this in the book. It's so hard to find out about a European, you know, American football over there. And so I read the book playing for pizza. And uh, so um, I think this is the first book ever written that will kind of pull back the curtain of, you know, we had we had a receiver that started at Penn State and a quarterback that started at Southern Utah. And then I've got a 5'10 right guard who's a university student and a 36-year-old diabetic center who's, you know, and, and so it's it's right. almost like high school where you have different levels of ability and, uh, you know, I can't up down them and punish them. And so there's a lot of chaos and um, arm around, you know, there's some arm around hugs in the book and then there's some um, arm around where you, you're more putting more pressure on the neck and you're trying to choke somebody. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you to release it. Um, I will put all that information, you know, in the show notes, your, your Twitter, your email, your um, website. And I hope everybody will order. Let me ask you this final question. If I'm a, you know, if I'm a business guy in, uh, Nixon, Missouri, you know, like, you know, and I, and I, and I order the book and I read it. What's, what's going, what's going to be my takeaway? Like, what do you think? What, what's going to be my takeaway? So gosh, from 18 different countries show up the day before training camp. Mm. And we, they allow me to create a player's creed. We call it 50 strong. And so here's the, here's the exercise we did. Close your eyes, spin around three times and point true North. Well, you know, open your eyes, hands are going everywhere. And I tell them, I don't know where True North is either, but we all got to point the same direction. So if you own a, a, a car dealership or a, a restaurant, you better figure out a way for your employees to all point the same direction. And they will, if you let them in on it, no one washes a rent car. So I let the players in on, on creating the creed and then we talked about it every day. So I think a business leader or anyone can use these same tactics to get everybody to point in the same direction. Yeah. And I think that's the, you know, I think that's the benefit that you provide other people is it's not just football, you know, like leading is leading. It doesn't matter what you're leading, whether you're leading a football team or you're leading a, you know, a, a car dealership or a bank. 
leadership is leadership. And, you know, I think what people will get from the book, you know, as well as a great story and all that, but they are going to get lessons on things they can do to improve their culture in their leadership program, you know, because now you ruined it because I have used the true North deal in several presentations I've given. And I've told all of them that I created that myself, but now they know I have not, but those are things that, you know, they're little things that make a huge difference, you know, but that's what I gathered seven or eight years ago when I visited, you know, your place and started coming back and, you know, intentionally teaching core values, intentionally teaching our kids how to play with courage. You know, what does commitment mean? What does it mean to be a part of a family? And, you know, I think anybody that orders orders the book is going to get that as well. Any final parting shots before we get out of here? No, I just um, appreciate you letting me be on. Uh, I, you know, I'm honored to get to be one of your guests. I'm honored to be your friend, and and I'm proud of you, man. You are making a difference. And just like the great Bobby Hall said, if you help a coach, you help a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. So you're helping coaches help a bunch of kids, and and uh, I'm proud of you, buddy. And and I can't wait to see how this thing goes. Well, I'm honored that you're my friend. I'm honored that you did this. And, you know, I can't wait for everybody to read the book because, you know, I know it will be outstanding. I still read, you know, the the first two books, Culture Defeat Strategy. I mean, I still go back in there and pull, you know, things that I can use every single day, you know, in my with our team, with our groups and stuff like that. So I'm I'm surely appreciative of you joining us. If you're listening, man, buy the book. Um, it's a royal season. I'll put all the stuff in the show notes. If you like it, share it. Um, if you like this episode, share it with your friends. Give me feedback. You know, like we're we're new into this, so I want to I want to do this in such a manner that it makes a difference with you. You know, like I want you to get something from this, man. This is um, this is about you, and it's about giving you the opportunity to grow and learn, and you know, the opportunity to get better every single day is what drives me, and I know it's what drives Randy. You know, like. Um, Randy and myself both plan to do this for a long time you know like that is you know it fills our cup to try to fill other people's cups so we're very thankful thankful Randy for you Um, until next time adios amigos